Thank you, Pastor Tito. Yeah, I'm excited uh, for uh, for more and more uh, junior high students to go to camp. So uh, we didn't want that. We didn't want finances to be one of those things that uh, keeps our students from going and really experiencing something with God. So if you have a middle school student, junior high student, and they're available, uh, you don't have anything going on that that February, February the 24th through the 26th. Make sure you go see Pastor Tito and get that get signed up. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Uh, go ahead and take out your programs and uh, you can see everything that Pastor Tito just went through. Uh, but we just wanted to call attention to the back of this. This is the, the message notes. So we're going to be getting into the message notes here in just a few minutes. If this is your first time here, thank you so much for being here. Uh, this is uh, uh, New Life Patterson, and my name is Jeremy. I'm the campus pastor here for this location of New Life Christian Center. And so if this is your first time here, we have a gift for you, okay? Do not leave without getting one of these cups, uh, coffee mugs. It's got our little uh, logo on it there. So as you leave, uh, after the end of the service, walk out those doors, turn left, and you'll see our welcome center, and you'll see these on the bookshelves there. Grab one of these. If you see a volunteer standing there, just say, hey, it's my first time here. We'll put that in your hand. Just a little token from us to you to say, Thank you for checking us out. Thank you for being a guest with us here at New Life Patterson. Also, if this is your first time here and you do not have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. Amen. Amen. Um, and then lastly, I just want to talk about um, our next baptism uh, that we're having. The next baptisms are on Sunday, uh, March the 5th. Sunday, March the 5th. We've already, I've already had personally about three or four people come up and ask me when the next baptisms are going to be because they want to take that step in their journey, uh, in their faith, in, in following what Jesus instructed us to do and what he did, what he modeled for us. And so if you have never been water baptized and you're interested in that, that is going to be on Sunday, March the 5th. We'll have a lot more information coming up, but I just want to go ahead and put that on your radar uh, just in case you're one of those that want to be water baptized and you're kind of planning out your spring uh, so that's, that's going to be on that weekend. So that's a great weekend to go ahead and start identifying as that's the weekend I want to be baptized and begin inviting your friends and your family to come celebrate that with you. That's a big moment. And so we, that's something we don't take lightly here at New Life. We, we love celebrating people and when they take that step in water baptism. So Sunday, March the 5th, if you want to take advantage of that. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's dive into the, the message this morning as we continue on our journey through becoming like Jesus. And what does that look like to uh, become like Jesus? Not that we're trying to be Jesus, but what is the life that he modeled for us? What are some things that he did in his life that we can do as well? Because we are, uh, our goal is to become more and more like Jesus. Uh, and that, I know that's kind of a play on words, but if you missed the last, the, the first two messages that where we talked about that and what that really means, then make sure you go to our YouTube, make sure you go to our, our, our app and you can kind of catch up on the first two messages when we, uh, so you can know and understand what we mean, what it means to try to live a life and become more and more like Jesus. Also, if you came prepared to give today, we just want to say thank you so much for doing that. Um, we could not do what we do week in, week out. Uh, uh, without the faithfulness and your generosity. So thank you, uh, all of those of you who are engaged in that spiritual discipline of giving. If this is your first time here, don't you worry about it. You just sit back and relax and enjoy uh, what God is going to do in your life uh, today. This is for people who already called New Life uh, their home church. And so if you uh, are a regular giver, we just want to say thank you for doing that. There's four different ways you can give back to God through New Life. You can do that through our app which is the most popular way that people give. I think we have between 50 and 60% of our people give through the app, through PushPay. Uh, you can also do that through our website. You can give here on the weekends. We have a, a giving box located 
uh, at the door there. And that just helps us do ministry uh, through the week. So we just want to say uh, thank you so much for doing that. Today we're going to talk about what it means to be intentional like Jesus, to be intentional like Jesus. Last week we talked about what it looks like to surrender like Jesus. Week one, we talked about what does it look like to uh, answer some of these tough questions that we've been asking for thousands of years. Who am I? Where did I come from? And why am I here? Those are some of those deeper questions that people have been asking literally for thousands of years. And we still ask a lot of questions, don't we? But some of our questions now aren't so deep. All right. If you're younger, maybe you're asking older people, hey, why do you still write checks? Because there's a lot easier way, there's a many, uh, many other ways that you can do this instead of still writing checks. Or, or you may ask someone that's older, why is the, the light on your screen of your phone so bright? Or why is your font so big on your phone? Why do you still print out your emails or those websites? And here's the quick answer. Uh, in 30 years, you'll create your own weird habits and then the younger generation will make fun of you. So that's how, that's how this cycle goes. Now, if you're older... Maybe some of your questions uh, go like this. Uh, babe, can you remind me of who that person is that keeps talking to me every week that they feel like that they know me, but I have no idea who they are? And then your spouse can remind you, yes, you do know them. That's your cousin or whatever. <laughs> or when you go from one room to the other and you can't remember why you went into that room, you know that's true. That probably happened this morning, Steve. Yeah. Or uh, if you're like me, babe, have you seen my glasses? Yeah, they're on your face. Okay, yeah. Or uh, have you ever uh, uh, turned the flashlight on your phone to look for your phone? I've done that before too. So, uh, or, or uh, Janet actually caught me one time literally tearing the room apart. And uh, she said, what are you looking for? And I was actually talking to her on the phone and I said, I can't find my phone. And she said, okay, I'm going to give you a second. I'm like, okay, never mind. I just, I just not got... But we all go through uh, questions like that through life. But those truly deeper questions lead us from who I am and where did I come from to who am I becoming or where am I going? And I want to continue to challenge you to dive deep into the things that are really questions of your heart and really questions of your motivations. King David wrote this in the book of Psalms when he actually invited God to examine his own heart. How many of us have the, uh, the boldness to do that? To say, God, I'm actually inviting you to examine the things in my life right now. That takes a very, very bold and courageous prayer. But look what King David uh, wrote in Psalms 139. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. That's scary. Put me to the test and sift through all of my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on. And lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways. The path that brings me back to you. I want to encourage you this morning to keep doing things like that. Keep praying prayers like that if you're not. Keep reaching out to Jesus. You see, all of us, you, me, everyone that's ever existed and everyone that ever will exist has been made in the image of God. But that's not where it stops. His, he desires us to reflect him more and more every day, to reflect his character, to reflect his spirit, not only to ourselves, but also to others. 
Look what the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 5. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So last week we started this process. We started diving into the process of what it looks like to to try to live the life like Jesus. Becoming like Jesus, to surrender like Jesus is what we talked about last week, to let go of our control and to give in to the authority of God. That's where we find life. That's where we find life to the fullest. Today, in the weeks to come, we're going to look intently at the life of Jesus, how he lived. How did Jesus respond to others? What were the motivations of the heart of Jesus? Things that you and I can learn, not just about him, but things that we can learn from him to become more like him and how he was intentional in everything that he did. Do you know what it means to be intentional? Here's the definition of intentional. Done with design or to plan, to do something on purpose, to be deliberate, done with forethought and consideration. Do you know what the opposite of intentional is unintentional. You think, Jeremy, you went to school for that? <laughs> yeah, unintentional. The opposite of intentional is an oops, an accident, unplanned. And all of us could probably go through our life and, and think of times where we've been super intentional about decisions that we've made. And we can all give multiple examples of about uh, with things that we've been unintentional about in our lives, unplanned decisions accidents or things that we weren't thinking of when we did it. Uh, Most of us have multiple children. I have four children. Some were intentional. And you're laughing because you have those intentional and unintentional children. Not that they were accidents, but they were surprises, right? My first child, Caleb, I was young. uh, I was 23. Janet was 20. Caleb was super intentional. We're ready to have children. We thought we were ready <laughs> to have children. And then Caleb was born, this perfect little kid, super mellow. He potty trained fast. He walked fast. He wasn't hard to entertain. He never cried. And we thought, man, this parenting thing, this is easy. And then come Taylor, the unintentional child, the oops, the uh, unplanned child, the feral child that all of us have. And we loved her and we kept her for as long as we could. But when you look at the life of Jesus, even though there were moments, there were moments in the life of Jesus of storms and unruly crowds and a paralyzed guy lowered down through a roof and a woman that was healed just because she touched the hem of the garment of Jesus, crazy, unexpected things. There was still this intentional way that Jesus lived. He was constantly in union with the Father. And that didn't happen by accident. That wasn't an unplanned thing. Jesus intentionally lived in such a way to do his Father's will, even when the unexpected and unplanned happened. So I want to give us three ideas today, three areas where we can learn from Jesus that we too can be intentional in our lives to live and become like Jesus. So if you're taking notes, write this down for number one. I'll be intentional in knowing God's word. I'll be intentional in knowing God's word. Even though Jesus didn't have the Bible as we know it today, we all know that, he still had the Old Testament scriptures. He knew them 
intentionally, and he used them intentionally. Remember when Jesus was led out uh, to the desert and he was tempted by Satan, he was tempted by the devil himself. How did he combat the enemy? How did he combat Satan? By quoting and using God's truth, scripture as weapons to fight back. Over and over, Jesus would quote from the law and the prophets, from, from David and the Psalms, from Solomon in the Proverbs, God's word, scripture, was his intentional source for direction and truth and teaching. You and I have that same weapon. I have with me today, someone gave me this uh, back when I was in Wisconsin. It's a Hebrew Bible. It's written, written in Hebrew. Now, just so you know, I don't read this. I can't read Hebrew, okay? I went to school, but I can't read Hebrew. And it, this Bible, this is a Hebrew Bible from 1861. And they didn't want it. They said, I'm just going to put it in the yard sale. I think my grandmother passed it down for me. I'm like, are you kidding me? Give me this thing. So I value this thing. I love this thing. I, I can't read it. But to me, this is sacred. This is like, this is God's word. I mean, the Hebrew version of God's word. And it's our source of truth. It's our source of guidance. How do we understand what's right, meaning what's from God, in a culture, in a world that's often crazy and upside down when we're constantly bombarded with, well, whatever you think is right, you have your truth and I'll have my truth, which is one of the biggest lies that we have been fed by culture. You have your truth and I'll have my truth. You have what you believe. You do you, boo, and I'll do me, and let's just all do our own life. That is a lie from culture. That is a lie from the enemy. We were not created for, for you. You were not created for you. I was not created for me. We were created and designed for the kingdom of God Almighty. And we've got to get that truth down in us. Just turn on the news. Go to social media. You can see that in about 60 seconds. And how everybody's just telling you to do, do your thing. Now, trust me, I believe in self-care. I, I believe in growing. I believe in developing. I believe in, in, in that God gives us all skills and talents and abilities and all these, all these things that we're supposed to be developing and, getting, and growing and getting better. But why are we supposed to do those things? For his kingdom. Not for our kingdom. For God's kingdom. However, you probably heard somebody say, in fact, I've said it here before many times that you need to get into the Bible, and you do. Go to Bible.com. If you've never downloaded the version to your phone, I encourage you to do that. There are thousands of reading plans on there. Some are three days, five days, seven days, 21 days. Some, are, some go for a whole year. I'm, I actually have three different plans that, I've, that I'm going through right now on my phone, and they're about discipleship and have vision and, and things like that, but I'm all the time in, that, in, in, those, in those Bible plans because I want to grow and I want to develop and I want to grow in my understanding of God's word. So download that, that uh, the Version Bible app. It's an, amazing, it's an amazing app if you don't have it. And there's, are there times that you're going to be confused when reading the Bible? Are there times you're going to be upset when reading the Bible? Are there times you're going to read scripture and say, I don't like that? Yes. But will there also be moments of clarity? Moments of conviction? Moments where you're overwhelmed by God's love, overwhelmed by God's grace, yes. So get into the Bible, but even more, I want you to hear me as your pastor, let the Bible get in you. Let the truth of God's word, let the truth of God's heart seep into your soul. 
that you would read the Bible not just to know more, but that you would know Him more. Listen to this. The writer of Hebrews says this, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Apostle Paul wrote this in 2 Timothy, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach, to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And then King David wrote this in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Write this down for number two. I'll be intentional in knowing and connecting with soul friends. So number one, I'll be intentional in knowing God's word. Number two, I'll be intentional in knowing and connecting with soul friends. Now, I know the phrase soul friends is probably not part of your regular vocabulary, but I'm being intentional about it today. You see what I did there? I used, okay. Uh, most, of us, most of us have acquaintances. Most of us have friends and coworkers with the casual, hey, how are you doing? But let's be honest, we're really not expecting or wanting them to go into too much detail, if we're being honest. You may do things with them once in a while, but it's not a growing relationship. It's not a growth relationship. It's someone that you know, which is great, but soul friends, quote, soul friends are those that you can deeply trust, who even though they are imperfect like you, you're still pointing each other towards Jesus. You can ask them to pray for you. You can ask them to pray over a situation that you're going through, and they'll do it. They can ask you to do the same, and you'll do it. There's something deeper in a friendship that is bringing spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. Now, Jesus was in a different, he was in a little different situation in that his friends weren't bringing him a whole lot of spiritual growth and maturity. But we do read that Jesus did mostly everything with his disciples and his followers. From crowds on a hillside to quiet dinners together. Sometimes with the 12 plus many more, and sometimes with just a few. He intentionally did all of it in connection and community with some, with some close soul friends. Now, I know we can read about the ministry of Jesus, but I think sometimes we underestimate the connection of just simply uh, the, the time that they spent together, the time that he spent with all of his, with all of his disciples in their journeys when we read in Scripture about, about Jesus and, and his, his, his disciples going from Galilee to Jerusalem, it's just a simple sentence. But if you look on a map, it's actually between 40 and 60 miles one way, depending on the route that you take. And most theologians believe that Jesus walked about 20 miles a day. That means that Jesus would have walked a couple of thousand miles during his lifetime, and that didn't happen fast. So what do you think Jesus and his disciples did on those 20-mile walks? What do you think they talked about? They didn't have phones. They didn't have any other, any other source of distractions. Just each other. They talked. I believe they laughed. I believe they sang. I believe they joked. If you've, if you've not engaged with the Chosen series yet, I want to encourage you to watch that. It is amazing. It is a great modern uh, rendition of what I believe Jesus was probably like back then. 
I believe he laughed with his disciples. I believe he played practical jokes on them. He grew up with some of the, pe- some of the people from Nazareth that he, was, that he went back to the hometown and tried to say, look, I'm the son of God. These are, these are kids that he grew up with, that he climbed trees with and played in the dirt with. And now he's showing up saying, hey, I'm Jesus. I'm the Messiah. I'm the son of God. And the, no wonder they're like, no, I played with you when we were a kid. We smelled each other's hands. You know, there's a lot of things that we did together. But I believe that they prayed together. They sat around a fire at night together. They talked with Jesus and with each other. These are the guys that Jesus, think about it. These are the guys that Jesus asked to pray with him. He trusted them as they sailed a boat and he took care of their needs. He challenged them and they stood by his side. Even Peter going as far as cutting the ear off someone who threatened Jesus. Here's a truth that we all know. We all know this. You and I are most vulnerable. We're most lonely. We're most isolated. We are at our weakest when we're disconnected from each other. We know that. That's why we say don't do life alone. Don't work alone. Don't take that trip alone. Don't walk home alone. We know that there's safety in numbers. Think about it. Police officers, they don't go into an unknown situation alone. They call for backup. They're calling for help. They're calling for safety. The military doesn't send just one guy in to accomplish a mission. Doctors don't go into surgery by themselves. They have a team with them. When you fly on an airline, you don't have just one pilot. Today, when you watch the 49ers destroy the Eagles, you're not going to do it alone. (laughs) Go Purdy. I love that guy. There's something about together that is powerful, right? I I, I watched a video uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I watched this amazing video. Um, from the 50s, and it was black and white, and these scientists were talking about this experiment that they did with rats. So they took this rat, and they put him in a cage with water, and then they put another rat in a cage by himself, and they laced his water with cocaine. And the rat who had the cocaine water went and drank 10 times more than the other rat. Even when he didn't need water, he still went and he drank and he drank and drank because he got addicted to the cocaine. So then they began to wonder if they did something else with this rat, if he would still drink as much water. They took the rat out and they put that rat in a larger cage with a dozen other rats with regular water. The rat never went to the water more than he needed, even though he was addicted to the cocaine water. He never went back to that water bottle one time unless he needed to drink. They did the experiment several more times and 100% of the time when they took the addicted rat and put him in a community with other rats, he no longer went to the water. That proves that we need each other. We can't be by ourselves, especially when we're battling through addictions. We have to be with each other. We need to be in community. Our enemy, who is the devil, listen, your, en- your enemy is Satan. Your enemy is the devil, and he is out to destroy you. He doesn't want us building relationships with each other, and he certainly doesn't want us connecting and building a deeper relationship with Jesus. Have you ever watched some of the YouTube videos where there's a lion or a cheetah, and they're chasing down their prey? Now, we, we know that they do that every day. We know that they have to do that to survive. But don't you still 
sense yourself pulling for the underdog? You want that, that gazelle or that whatever they're going after just to get away? And you're like, well, no, then the lion or the cheetah would starve the dead. Then you'd feel sorry for that one too. It's like this circle of life. But think about it. Which one does the predator chase down? The most vulnerable, the smallest, the weakest, the one that's sick, the one that's not paying attention, the one that's wandered off from the safety of the pack. This is why the scripture refers to Satan as a lion. Look, 1 Peter 5, 8, be careful, watch out for attacks from the devil. Your great enemy, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim to devour. Our enemy wants us isolated. Your enemy wants you lonely. Your enemy wants you vulnerable and not paying attention because that's when he moves in on our thoughts and our lives. And he causes chaos in our soul. When we're alone is when he has the potential to take us down. But there's strength in numbers. When we're connected, we are safer. We take care of each other. We watch out for each other. That's what we are called to do. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Now, I've read this passage multiple times at weddings, but it's not just for marriage. It's great for marriage. It works for that. It's true in marriage but it's for all of us in this journey of faith. Three or better. Here's the last fill-in for the weekend. I'll be intentional in knowing and connecting with God. So number two is I'll be intentional in knowing and, uh, knowing and connecting with soul friends. This is about knowing and connecting with God. I know we've already mentioned some of the ways that we connect with God. For each of us to set aside uh, some time to get in the Word, read Scripture, pray, journal, uh, on and on some of these spiritual disciplines. And listen, it's not just for putting that spiritual gas in our tank for the day. That's one of the reasons. But that relationship with God is the foundation and core of everything. I also know that the daily challenges and the, the busyness of life can sometimes crowd that out and kind of push it to the sidelines. Jesus showed us that his connection and intimacy was with the Father was the primary thing, the most important thing. It wasn't just maybe going to happen. Jesus was intentional about connecting with the Father. And I know it's easy for us to look at our lives and see everything that we have going on and then look at the life of Jesus and say, well, Jeremy, his schedule is a little looser than mine. <laughs> I mean, Jesus didn't have Netflix. He didn't have a spouse. He didn't have kids running around. He didn't have a, a hospital or doctor's appointments to go to. He didn't have meetings to attend or vacations to plan or a budget to oversee. No, but you think about all of the crowds that were consistently and constantly pressing in around him. I know we, there's some pretty popular people around here, but I don't see a whole lot of crowds just constantly pressing in around you. There was always one more need to be met with Jesus. There was always one more person that needed healing. There was always one more person that wanted to see him. One more person that wanted to touch him. One more person that wanted to, to get close to him. And if you read through scripture, some of these people were going through some desperate and dire situations. 
So how do you look at them being the son of God, being the Messiah and say, not right now? How do you not keep going and not keep meeting their needs? You know that there was a part of Jesus that just wanted to do that, that just didn't want to stop meeting the needs of people. But Jesus intentionally stepped back. He stepped away from the chaos and the clamor of the needs of the people to draw close to the Father, to your Father. Luke 5, 15 through 16, but despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. In Matthew 14, 23, after sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Those are just two examples, but there are many more. So if Jesus knew the importance of connection with the Father, if he knew that that was the most important thing, what does that say about us? How do, what do we do with that? How do we live that out? Here's what I know this morning. Jesus is inviting us to know him better. He's inviting us to know him more. Jesus is inviting us to trust him, to live in him. So before we go, I want to give you a few things to consider. This is just some of the ways that you can be intentional about living your life for Christ and living your life in him. Number one, we can read the Psalms. Many amazing Psalms written by King David and other choir directors in the book of Psalms. Beautiful poetry. You can read through them. You can pray through them. Another thing you can do is just simply pray, turn off the radio, turn off your TV, pray out loud. It may seem a little awkward, but those are some really good, deep connection times between you and you and Jesus. Is simply pray out loud. Another thing, we've talked about this many times before, but take a true Sabbath. Take a time that you can spend just between you and God. I know life is crazy. Trust me, I know. Even this week for me has been super challenging. But you have to be intentional and say, no, for the next 30 minutes or for the next 15 minutes, for the next 5, 10 minutes, I'm going to take some time just to spend with God. And am I taking a true sabbatical? If you say, Jeremy, 24 hours, I can't take a 24-hour time and just spend between me and Jesus. Okay, what about 12? What about 12 where you turn this stupid thing off so it's not driving you nuts? You're not scrolling through social media. And you can say, for the next 12 hours, I'm just going to spend with God. What about some prayer alarms? Pastor Dave is really good about this. He says prayer alarms throughout the day. Just throughout the day, four or five times, his phone will go off. And all he does is say, thank you, God, for, for being my God. It's not anything that's long, drawn-out prayer. It's just a simple re-centeredness to say, God is my God, and this day belongs to him. This is something that we started here on our staff here at New Life. We started practicing what's called examen. And it's basically at the end of the day when you're sitting, when you're laying in bed before you go to sleep at night, this is different than prayer, but just close your eyes with your head on your pillow and think back from the start of your day till, till then, the different ways that God was at work in your life. Just close your eyes and simply go, oh, that was a God moment. That was a God moment. That was a God moment. You begin to realize how God has been with you for most of your day that you took for, gra- for granted. 
is that, man, God was actually with me all throughout my day, and I didn't even realize it. I didn't give him glory and the honor that he deserves for that. It's called examine. Do that at the end of your day. And then this is, a, this is the big one. This is one that I learned on my sabbatical last year, just the silence and solitude. I've been horrible with this ever since I've been a follower of Jesus. People have been encouraging me to do this. I've, I've never been really good at it because I'm really antsy. I feel like i got to be doing something all the time. And so one guy challenged me. He said, Jeremy, I want to challenge you during your sabbatical to really practice silence and solitude. And so Pastor Dave gave me a great analogy. He said, just think about a creek. Think about a beautiful creek about a foot of water, crystal clear. You can see all the way down at the bottom. But then you put your hand down there, you stir it up a little bit, kind of get it all, all that junk just kind of going around, you know, or take, a, take a, you know, a clear picture, you know, put some sand down there, put some dirt, fill it up with water and kind of stir it around and get it all kind of like a little tornado and just sit and watch it and just count and see how long it takes everything to settle back down on the bottom. He said, This is Pastor Dave talking to me. He said, Jeremy, sometimes that's your life. Sometimes you're just so busy spinning around, spinning around, that everything that's going on in your life is just the swirl of muck and dirt and confusion and you can't see. Just stop. Just settle down. Be still. And in those moments when you're just super still, quiet all the noise around you, all the voices, all the distractions, the busyness with your kid, that fight you have with your spouse, the demands that you have for your boss, the frustrations that you have with your employees, everything that's going on in your life, just sit still. And if you wait long enough, all that stuff will settle down, and then things are clear. And then you can start to really connect with God again on a different level. You can start to hear that that sensing that voice on the inside of your spirit, you can see him clearly, your prayers, you feel like your prayers are really getting, uh, really connecting deeper with God in those moments. And those are the things that sometimes that we can do, some of those spiritual disciplines that we can do. We can pray, we can sit in silence and solitude. That's just a few things. Maybe you took some notes and wrote some of those down. But that's when in those moments, in that silent and solitude, that the verse in Psalm 4610 really reached out to me when it says, be still and know that I am God. Those are those moments when you sit and everything is settled, when you stop spinning around and everything settles down to the bottom, that you say, be still, that you can feel the presence of God in your life. And he's telling you to be still. One of the things that I used to do with this verse is I would actually pray each one of those words. Can you put that verse back up there for me, Miss Melinda? Sometime take that verse and just pray that verse one word at a time. Take a, take a prayer and just pray be. And just say that word to yourself. Just be in the moment. Be. And then be still. And then pray that. And then pray be still and know. And then be still and know that I and then be still and know that I am. And then be still and know that I am God. Pray through that verse. I'm telling you, it is super powerful. But find ways to connect with God. So let me ask you as we close, what will you, what will you do this week? What will you do this week to be intentional? What intentional step will you take towards Jesus? To number one, grow in his word. 
Number two, to intentionally seek out godly friendships and godly community. And number three, to intentionally make time for Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me? Jesus, thank you for teaching us how to be intentional with our life. How to be intentional when it comes to the scripture. How to be intentional with connecting with others and being in community with other believers. How to be intentional with connecting with our Father. Father, I pray for every single person in here, Lord, may we leave with a learning, with some sort of growth and some sort of development in our spirit, God, that is drawing us and pulling us toward you. Help us learn to be intentional in the way that, in the way that we see life, in the way that we see others, in the way that we love ourselves, in the way that we love you, the way that we love others, like you commanded us to do, to love God and love others, Lord. Let us be intentional about those things. Let us be intentional about open up the scriptures. Lord, let us be intentional about let it soaking, about letting it soak into our spirit. Let us be intentional about finding those people to say, will you pray for me and praying for others? Lord, let us be intentional about our life for you. Help us, Lord, not to be so callous in how we see spiritual growth and development, but let us take it seriously so that we can consistently look like you. Let us reflect your image to the best of our ability. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here. Let me close with this scripture from Ephesians chapter 5. It says this one more time as a reminder. Imitate God in everything you do. Because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. A great examination of your life this week is to say, am I pleasing God in everything that I do? Am I living the life of Christ? Am I living the life that Christ committed or, or, or called me to live? So that's a great examine of your life today. Hey, thank you for being here today. Don't forget all the, uh, uh, the announcements that we gave earlier. If you came prepared to give, you can just drop that off that, in that uh, bucket or not the bucket, but the, the box there on your way out. Hey, thanks so much for being here, guys. It was a great Sunday, and we're looking forward to next Sunday being with you. Have an amazing week. God bless you and your families, uh, and go Niners. I mean, go Bengals. Love you guys.